Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Had a great week this week. I was with Dr. Rayner at a speaking engagement down in Florida, and I know why people snowbird now. Yeah, it's kind of nice down there. It was 75 and sunny for three days in the middle of February, and I got back to Nashville last night, and it was 31, foggy, and rainy. Oh, sad times. So Sad times. I yeah, my... completely understand snowbirding. Yeah, my parents um, snowbird happily. They love, love, love their time in Florida every winter. I'm trying to figure out how to work that out, but four kids and you know all that, that doesn't really work. So right and full time jobs yeah and yeah uh, school I got a few basketball. impediments to my snowbird life let's just put it yes. that way yes that's that's why it's usually a retirement thing but but you're heading south next week kind of well <laughs> west you mean I'm kind of it's not really west. south is it yeah it's not really south yes heading to Nashville Saturday morning yeah. uh, coming with a, a a group of students to. Uh, the executive committee meeting on Monday and Tuesday, but we're going to head over on Saturday so we can get some family time. Oh, that sounds good. Yes. Also hit your favorite eateries in Nashville. Yeah, absolutely. I probably some of our uh, favorite eateries up on the North side where I'm from uh, is what we'll hit on the weekend. And then uh, favorite eateries in town Monday and Tuesday. All right. Be on the lookout Athens Greek restaurant. So (laughs) that's your place. I know. Okay. It, it is my place. All right. Well, let's jump into this this week. Uh, we got some big news coming out of Life Free Research today, and, and probably not some surprising news, but disappointing nonetheless. Most Americans unfazed by Planned Parenthood videos. The, the problem is not that they're unfazed. The problem is that most of them don't even know about them. Yeah, and I have to tell you, I actually was surprised by this, which convicted me a little bit. Um, and I shouldn't have been because I remembered a few conversations that I did have when it was happening um, with family members and such that it, it had been out for a little while when they said, Hey, have you heard about this? But I don't, I don't even know if they knew about the undercover videos. They said, have you heard about this, you know, selling body parts and things like that? Cause they had gotten an email, um, about it. But I, I, I just was not prepared to know that 43% of Americans, uh, surveyed, didn't even know about them. Yeah. It didn't get covered by the media for the most part. So if yeah, you weren't really in tune to what was going on online and the online discussion around it, it's it's probably not too surprising that you didn't see it because it just wasn't on the local news. It wasn't on your national news networks for the most part. Didn't hardly get any coverage in the newspapers. So, you know, the way people consume news or in really in reality, the way people don't consume news uh, this 43% number is not too shocking, but like you said, it is a little disappointing. Yeah, and I, and it reminds us of how we can sort of spend time in sort of our own echo chambers and everyone around us is talking about it. And so we're not really doing the work to make sure that people know outside of our own circles. Um, so it that it's it's really interesting but i was even challenged also when you know 27% of people said i have not said anything about it um only 18% uh said in this survey i've spoken out against uh planned parenthood and that challenged me too to even think about how much i i participated in some conversations did a few things but really 
um, how how much beyond kind of a random article tweeting or favoriting, you know, how, how involved did I get? Uh, and that has convicted me as well. So uh, it, sh- it should just push us to continue this conversation. I think it just helps us realize how many people are really unaware of what's going on with that and, and the importance that it plays. It's not just that they know what's going on. It's, it's the importance of what is happening and how these things are being done and the government's funding of them. So I think the more we see, I think today we were recording this on Thursday. I saw this morning that Wisconsin had defunded Planned Parenthood. Uh, Governor Scott Walker had made that go into effect today, I believe. And I think the more we see of that, that follows a long list of other states doing the same. So I I think the more that happens, the more it's going to really hit home in local news coverage and people may understand what's going on here. So there's also a good reminder, uh, William Wilberforce fought slavery in England more than 40 years uh, before anything really got happened. So, you know, uh, I saw somebody tweet out this morning, you know, do not grow weary of doing good. So uh, we, we must continue to let people know about what's going on and to, to take up this cause. Agreed. Absolutely. All right. Now, moving on to the SBC, some big news that we've had. Uh, this week, David Platt spoke at a gathering of Baptist state paper leaders in Ponce, Puerto Rico, Uh, down there with a bunch of the state execs and the state paper uh, editors and asked them for uh, to encourage unity in their papers but at the same time also gave a hint that next week he would be releasing the final numbers of the vri that we've been talking about for months here on the podcast that came out in august and everything kind of has been going on the last six months i expect this announcement and this information to come out i'm guessing at the executive committee meeting next week yeah that was actually the thing that really jumped out in the story to me was that the the actual sort of details will be coming next week and just preparing ourselves for that and being ready to stand together with uh, the the news that comes out um i I am not surprised at all by his sort of request for standing in unity. I can really appreciate it. You know, he was at Southeastern just a few weeks ago. And man, every time he talks about the future and going forward and the uh, mobilization plans and efforts, uh, he really casts an exciting vision. And so I know what what they're wanting to do is, uh, is to call attention to that to get people thinking about that. And it's it, it's a mixed bag. It's tough news. They understand the gravity of that. Uh, but then also, how do we look forward to what's next? All right, Amy, also had some big news come out of Southeastern this week. Some big news up there in Wake Forest. Give us the uh, scoop on your new curriculum changes for next year. Yeah, so we announced uh, yesterday that we've had some big changes to our uh, MDiv and MA degrees. Starting fall 2016, we have an MDiv that's 81 uh, to 84 hours. Basically, it's an 81-hour MDiv. Uh, A handful of specialized tracks would be 84, would require one more uh, class. But uh, the core looks a little bit different, tried to bring faculty together uh, to say what is the best thing to prepare our students going forward. And this curriculum is what came out. So uh, also the vocational MA programs uh, will actually increase from 30 to 36 hours. So uh, new programs have come out. We did a news release, but then also we've got the new catalog up. It kind of explains uh, what those degrees look like. And uh, we're 
very, very excited about this. Well, that's exciting news. I know uh, a lot of the seminaries are starting to adjust their programs. Uh, we've got a lot of seminaries now doing online uh, work and online degrees. I know you guys have a few of those over there. You also have the modular DMINs and PhD programs as well. So uh, a lot of change happening in the world of higher education. This is just another example. And uh, you'll hear more about this 81-hour MDiv later in the show. Now, moving on, uh, some sad news, uh, a couple of in-memoriams to cover this week. Uh, study Bible scholar Charles Ryrie, the Ryrie Study Bible, has died. He was a uh, faculty member at Dallas Theological Seminary. Yeah, um, so he was a systematic theology professor at DTS, also a longtime member of First Baptist Dallas. So uh, he was a Southern Baptist. Um, and uh, as you just as you said, his name is most known for the Ryrie Study Bible, but uh, plenty of people uh, know him. Denny Burke tweeted several things about him, just memories. Uh, from having him in class, and a big name, very well known by a lot of people. Yes, he, he was. Uh, a lot of people we know studied under him. Uh, we have a lot of friends that had done their master's or doctoral work at Dallas Theological Seminary. Uh, so uh, our thoughts and prayers out to the Ryrie family, as well as that of Justice Antonin Scalia. I know uh, this was some big news I, I sent to you whenever I saw it the other day. Uh, huge implications, not only for the Supreme Court, uh, but those who have cases going before the Supreme Court, as well as our presidential election coming up this November. Yeah, this was uh, this was tough. On Saturday, of course, so many things were flying around about it, and obviously it has massive implications. I honestly was just uh, sad for quite a while about it and just letting it uh, sink in because he was a, a real uh, major figure um, in sort of our our system in our system of government had been so for 20 years. Uh, I had tremendous respect for him. And uh, it was interesting just seeing a lot of the different memories that popped out. Karen Swallow Pryor put a story uh, on Facebook about uh, a time that she actually met him and even got to talk on the phone with him uh, a few days later. And that was kind of neat. Lots of people uh, doing things like that. So it was really tough news at first. Uh, and then, of course, had immediate impact on presidential election, reminding people of the role that the president has um, in Supreme Court nominations, which is one of the most, um, I guess, the most impactful things that the president does as far as long lasting effects. Um, but then also the question, what happens now to uh, cases that are going before the Supreme Court? Uh, the thing that has popped in my mind is we have one that's very important. We've talked about it a few times, the Little Sisters of the Poor case. That's how we kind of refer to it, but that Guidestone is involved in as well. Um, and that's kind of hanging in the balance. Um, I, I think that's what the most immediate impact uh, to the Southern Baptist Convention and, uh, and others would be um, that now we have a different, you know, just a change in the court yeah. going and forward in question that. Question about that. We mm -hmm. had a kind of a 5-4 split balance, right. or whatever you want to call it. With a 4-4 four, four now, mm -hmm. what does that do? What are, what are the implications of that for cases that come up that may be split down the, yeah. that 4-4? Four, four? If, yeah, if that were to happen, um, and that has happened before, because a lot of times if there's a case that a, a justice needs to recuse themselves, uh, that a justice needs to uh, recuse himself or herself, 
uh, because of some connection or, or whatever, uh, and you have a 4-4 split, then whatever was ruled at the lower court, that ruling stands. Um, and then also there's no, at that point, no precedent is established for things going forward that come before the Supreme Court. So basically a 4-4 split almost means uh, nothing, no it's, change. It's like a, it never happened, basically. Yeah, kind of, kind of like that. So, um, so that's not good news for the Little Sisters of the Poor because they're the ones that are bringing it to and have gotten ruled against, right? Uh, yeah, and and I guess when you say it's not good news, it just means that the threshold is a lot higher. Yeah, now yeah. you can't have a, a any kind of a deadlock. You've got to really go strongly in one direction or another. And moving on, we got some new faces in new places. Jim Smith, the executive editor-in-chief spokesperson for Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, is moving to D.C. to become the Vice President of Communications for the National Religious Broadcasters Association. Yeah, that was big news, um, and it's it's kind of a mixed bag. You know, that's a, a big loss for Southern Seminary. It's a big loss second time around um, because Jim, this was his second time to be there, uh, in a, a, a similar role. And uh, when we were at Southern years ago, that's when uh, Jim was there and was doing uh, great work. But uh, he'll, he'll head out. But uh, the, the NRB, I know they are very excited moving forward. Um, so this is a big deal for, uh, for Jim and for the National Religious Broadcasters. Yeah, next week is the NRB National Convention here in Nashville. It's kind of on the backside of the executive committee meeting. So I'll be at that next week. And I'll probably be able to see Jim and, and wish him well as well. Uh, also, another new hire over at the Southern Baptist Foundation, something we don't really talk about a lot here on the podcast because there's a, not a lot of news that comes out of the Southern Baptist Foundation. Uh, but they've got a new vice president in Jim Mooney. Uh, he's going to handle the investments over there. Yeah, Uh like you said, we don't think about it much, but organizations like the Southern Baptist Foundation are extremely important to us as they handle investments, endowments, um, very vital roles. So congratulations to Jim Mooney. We look forward to uh, meeting you down the road. All right. This week's podcast has been sponsored by Southeastern Seminary's new 81-hour MDiv program. We talked about it just a minute ago. The 81-hour MDiv is specifically designed to better equip students to take the gospel to their neighbors and the nations. For more information on the new 81-hour MDiv at Southeastern Seminary, visit sebts.edu slash mdiv. That's going to lead us to this week's interview with Ashlyn Portero. Ashlyn is the executive director at City Church down in Tallahassee. Joining us today on SBC This Week is Ashlyn Portero. Ashlyn is the executive director at City Church in Tallahassee, Florida, uh, where Dean and Sarah is the pastor there. Ashlyn, thank you for being on the show with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. All right, tell us a little bit about City Church. Uh, you know, it kind of has risen as one of the fastest-growing churches in the state of Florida over the past few years, uh, especially in the SBC. Tell us, like, I know you've been involved at City Church since about 2009, uh, started working mm -hmm. there in 2011, uh, you know, and you know you're a graduate of Florida State. Been in Tallahassee all your life. Tell us about City Church, you know, kind of the void it filled in the city over the past few years, and, and just where it started in 2007 and where it is now in 2016. Yeah, so um, City Church, I have been really excited to see just a lot of growth and a lot of development, um, you know, just in in the life of the church, and we're still a pretty young church, but um, it was founded in 2007 um, and in Dean's parents' living room, um, and I have 
you know, friends who I, I grew up with who were a part of that. So I was familiar with City Church, and um, when I was in college, was going to a different church, um, but two of my roommates uh, had been at City Church since the beginning. Dean had been their youth pastor um, in high school at, at a different church in town, and so um, when he, you know, planted the church, um, I kind of got to see it from the outside, sort of from the ground up. And um, it, it continued to grow. Um, we met in a local high school um, and a lot of other churches that were gracious and opened their doors, um, you know, to us. And that was before I was even coming. Um, and then kind of continued to grow and, and reach college students and then um, seeing younger families. And uh, I started coming in 2009, like you said, um, with with actually my roommates and, and just really felt um, really, I think, convicted that I wanted to be a part of this church. And I saw how it was, you know, changing people's lives and how it was growing. And um, I think it was just something that was fresh in the city. I think that they were doing things that um, had not really been done yet, just kind of in the, in, in the way that City Church did church. Um, and, and so I liked that. That really appealed to me. Um, and, but, but at the same time, giving a very, you know, gospel-centered, Bible-based um, teaching component, which, you know, it is not, you know, always the case. I mean, you don't find that in every church. And so um, that was those two things in combination, I think, just really helped it to take off and, and God really grew it a lot. And so um, I continued, you know, to come and, and plugged in and then um, began serving on staff in 2011. And so really got to be a part of a lot of the growth and see it, um, you know, just continue to reach people. Um, we, we now have you know, a growing youth ministry. And so we're reaching, we started asking a couple of years ago, how do we reach the 45 year old with um, the 15 year old student, you know, and kind of getting uh, beyond the, the college student, and the young adult um, age brackets. And, um, and so we're, you know, now reaching families. Um, we have a, a booming kids ministry. Um, we have a lot of senior adults, which has been really cool just to kind of see us really begin to reach um, every generation. Um, and, and we're still kind of you know, focusing in on, on who we're trying to reach and, um, you know, not, not trying to do too much all at once, but it's been cool how just to see as the church has grown that, that more and more people have come and, um, you know, really been able to, uh, to relate to, you know, to how we do church and to be welcomed here. And um, just we've, Dean has done a great job of, of helping us build great, you know, relationships in the city and, um, we have strong community partnerships and, and really have our mission statement is to be for the gospel and for the city. So we really are, are just trying to do those two things really well. And um, it's been exciting to see just kind of how we've grown in the process of that. You mentioned for the city. That is uh, something I, I hear a lot from Dean. And, and Tallahassee has got a, a little bit of different uh, flair to it than most places. It's yeah. a very big college town. You've got two major universities with FAMU and Florida State there. Uh, and you've you've got the also the seat of the government for the state of Florida, so you've got a, a lot of people who are kind of entrenched in Tallahassee. So you got this kind of a I'm guessing kind of a culture clash in the city with all all the new people coming in for college and all the the people that have you know are Tallahassee natives been there all their life. Kind of we like do. You know. But so how does that dynamic how has that dynamic affected City Church and and how you have reached people in the city? Um. You know, it's been really cool to see how, I mean, we have, you know, the college student who comes up from South Florida and they're like, you guys have so many trees here, you know, to, they, they get this whole different taste of, you know, even where they live, of being in a totally different part of Florida, um, and, and they bring a totally different culture. And then we have people, as you said, who've been rooted in the city for, 
generations. Um, and so those two kind of working together, you know, honestly, I think it's been really good for us. It's, um, it's brought um, just kind of a refreshing uh, environment because, you know, we aren't, uh, we want to be very focused in, in our approaches and in how we execute, you know, Sunday morning and in the environments we create, but we don't, you know, want to pigeonhole ourselves. And so um, I, I think we've just kind of used all of those different cultures. Um, thankfully, we, we are having more and more, you know, people coming into church who, who have uh, lived, you know, outside of Tallahassee. And so they can relate to people who aren't from here, or we have um, college student leaders who are kind of coming up. And, and so they can reach out and build relationships with, you know, college students who are maybe only here for a few years. Um, we have uh, people getting connected to our church who are, you know, very high up in, in state government and who, you know, are, are really kind of movers and shakers in the community. And so their influence is is reaching people and, and you know, connecting their friends to City Church. And so I think really for us, like relationships have been a, a key factor. Um, you know, I, I mentioned our, our community partnerships. We are very invested in a local high school that's right down the road from where our church is. Um, and, and they have a lot of needs in that school. And so we've really tried to dig in there um, and, and serve them. And so we've seen their faculty and staff and administration, you know, who are people, some of them have been in, in the Tallahassee school system for a long time. Others are, are new to town. And so, like you said, we have so many different pockets of people, but we really just, because we've made personal relationships just such a key kind of thread to our culture, uh that has allowed all of that to kind of happen naturally. And so we're not, you know, saying, well, now we, we need to go reach, you know, the people in the capital. And so let's, you know, let's figure out a, a quick fix way to do that. We're saying let's form relationships with those people. And, and some of our, our church members already have those relationships or they're working in those environments. Um, Dean uh, talks a lot about being called, not employed. And so, um, you know, if you're working downtown in the capital, if you're working in, you know, your your school classroom or if you're a college student on campus at FAMU or TCC or FSU, uh, you're called there. And so really trying to help people see that they can leverage, you know, where God has them in their day-to-day um, to to build relationships with people and then to invite them to church. And, and we want everyone, you know, in Tallahassee to get connected to a local church and to hear the gospel. And so... Um, we, we don't really have like a, you know, a three-step plan or, or anything like that, but, you know, our strategy really so much of it is just building personal relationships and um, really caring about getting people connected to City Church and, and then try to do church really well so that when they come, they enjoy it and, and they want to come back. Uh, your title at City Church is Executive Director. What all does that encompass? Like, what does a day-to-day and a week-to-week look like for Ashlyn Portero? <laughs> Um, well, I, when I answer that question, I usually tell people that I just kind of run around like a chicken with my head cut off. Um, but hopefully not really. I, um, I, so I, with, I have a counterpart, um, Alex and he and I together kind of coordinate and lead the, um, the day-to-day operations and the staff at City Church. Um, and, and we kind of oversee different areas. So I get to be (laughs) kind of a liaison to a lot of our, um, family ministries. And so um, I, I work with our youth pastor and um, our kids team to, you know, basically make sure that, that they're good, that they don't feel like they're on an island. And so I, I have meetings with them and um, kind of just really try to be a support to them um, in, in any way that I can as they leave their areas. And then um, I directly oversee communications. And so we've done a lot of work on that this year. 
So, you know, that's kind of working on external and internal communications, always trying to improve those two things. And then um, I, I do some work with our uh, kind of for the city initiatives. So we have um, those those community partnerships. Uh, we're, we're involved in a lot of different things in the city. So kind of trying to keep that moving. Um, and, then, and then Alex and I kind of help, uh, you know, lead our all staff meetings. Uh, we meet every Monday as a staff together uh, for about an hour, hour and a half. And um, we, you know, we work on strategy. We, you know, make sure that everyone's informed and that we're communicating well as a staff. And so every day is different, um, but it's exciting. I, I like, you know, one day I could be helping our, you know, communications team uh, develop our, our communication strategy. The next day I could be uh, helping plan. We're hosting a conference this weekend um, that uh, Dr. Russell Moore is coming to speak at. So, um, you know, that's, Every day is different, and, and every day is kind of exciting and, and a new challenge. So <laughs> that's kind of my my day to day. Well, that sounds great, Ashlyn. And you know, as a woman in the SBC, are, have you been encouraged by what you've seen? Uh, some of the women, you know, more female trustees we've had now. We have uh, more women in, in yeah. leadership roles, not in pastoral roles, but in leadership roles right. in, in different entities and different different groups. Uh, it's got to be encouraging as a woman in ministry. Oh my gosh, yes. I, in fact, it's funny. I, we were at the Evangelicals for Life conference in DC a couple weeks ago. And wait, you got out before the snowstorm, didn't you? Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I did. I did. We just made it out. We were like the second to last flight out. Um, so we just missed the blizzard. Um, but I, I was listening to, I think it was Charmaine News, but I was, you know, listening to one of the female speakers. And, um, I remember, uh, you know, talking to Dean and saying, you know, it's funny because a lot of people, I think sometimes there's a stigma like in church leadership that women can't, you know, lead or that they can't make an influence. And I, I my words to him, I was like, I've never felt like that. Um, and I don't know if that's an anomaly. I don't think it is because I see other women leading well. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, that's like something that I'm becoming more and more passionate about is um, just the fact that, I mean, my church, you know, city church has empowered women, I think from day one. Um, I, I saw that even before I was on staff here and now getting to be on staff here and just seeing that, you know, our our growing, booming kids ministry is, you know, led by a team of women and um, that, you know, on our communications team, uh, my assistant, Sarah, I mean, she's, you know, leading design projects and um, we have women who are, you know, teaching in their city groups, you know, in, encouraging other women. And um, yeah, so I'm, I don't, it makes me sad like when people think that, you know, women can't lead in church because, and as you said, I'm, I'm fully, fully complementarian. I, you know, I, I support that and I support those distinct roles. Um, and I think that God has, you know, designed us to lead in different ways, but, um, but I, I think the church absolutely should be the place where women are, are, you know, brought up to lead well in, in the ways that God has designed them to. Um, and so I'm, I'm really grateful because I feel like, you know, I think that started with, with Dean and with our staff culture. I mean, he's, you know, I would say in young leaders in general, he has just been so willing to hand off leadership and to really, he wants his leaders to lead. And that's not just limited um, or, or restricted to, you know, the men on our staff that, you know, that includes the women too. So um, I've always felt encouraged and empowered and um, just, you know, we, I think that the church should be a place where women learn to lead well. All right, Ashlyn, uh, it's been great talking to you. i got one final question for you, maybe the most important question I ask you, uh, because I, I okay. know where your fandom lies. What's your favorite <laughs> Taylor Swift album? 
Oh, my gosh. That is a oh, – I wish I would come prepared for that. Um, you know, I really do have to say I loved 1989. Really? Um, I, think that, I think that if I had to pick one, uh, Red was really great, too. But, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm a Taylor fan no matter what. I drove eight hours to see her in Baton Rouge. So. That's awesome. There's no <laughs> better city in the world to like, see her. Um, there you go. As Tiger a Baton Rouge native. So at Tiger Stadium, too, probably, right? Yeah, yeah yep. the greatest mm-hmm. football stadium awesome. in America, as well. It was um, a great campus, I will say. Yes, um, yeah. So I, but it's it's fearless. The answer to that is fearless every day of the week. <laughs> I love so, it. <laughs> anyway, all right. Yeah. So yeah, that that's uh, on my other podcast, uh, Jonathan Howe on Taylor Swift at iTunes dot com. <laughs> but anyway. All right, well, Ashley, thanks. You commentary? <laughs> yeah, I should. I should. That would probably be a lot more um, popular than some of the podcasts I have ideas for. So, all right. <laughs> well, Ashlyn, thank you again for being with us. I appreciate it, and uh, we wish thank you all the you. best down in Tallahassee and look forward to seeing you in St. Louis. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, thanks for that, Jonathan. And uh, I met Ashlyn last year in Columbus, very impressed by her and excited that she was able to join us. Yep, when I found out she was a Taylor Swift fan, I was I was set. So um, she's on my good list. So I cannot, <laughs> Very nice. I, I'm guessing you won't let me make 1989 the resource of the week this week, even though it won a Grammy for Best Album. Uh, no, it's not actually a new resource, oh, okay. really. Well, but, all right then. Uh, all right, yeah, well then, and, and anyway, we'll have to move on to this week in SPC history. Amy, blow our minds. Well, I went to uh, 1967 because I just thought it was interesting as I was uh, looking through that in the uh, Baptist Press issue February 20th uh, of that year, the Board of Trustees for Southeastern Seminary announced that they were changing the name of the basic degree from Bachelor of Divinity to Master of Divinity. So I thought that was just kind of interesting that this week when uh, we announced sort of a new MDiv, uh, it was the same week that we announced the MDiv at all. Huh. Well, that, that's, so. that's fascinating. So that means, you know, this week is the week to change the MDiv for the future of Southeastern. So just jot that down, let somebody know. That's right. At least at Southeastern Seminary. Uh, You can't make any changes to the MDiv at Southeastern unless it's this week. That's right. Um, So that one uh, was really setting it now that, you know, it would require three years of study beyond uh, a Bachelor of Arts or Bachelor of Science degree. And and just, I think there was a shift happening um, all across the board in uh, theological education to this. So it was it was kind of a normal thing, and now you have MDivs everywhere. Uh, but I thought it was interesting that it kind of all started this week in SBC history. All right, well, that's fascinating. So uh, the timing kind of works out well, doesn't it, with our new yeah. sponsor and everything. So, all right, well, that's going to move us to our resource of the week. Amy, your resource is? Yeah, it's the Exploring Hope podcast that's hosted by uh, Jamie Dew, who is Dean of the College at Southeastern. He has been uh, doing an Exploring Hope video series, which talks to just different people uh, in different topics. And uh, he has a a co-host who I really like, uh, Keith Whitfield, for the videos. Uh, But the podcast is primarily Dr. Dew, and it just started a little while back, and it's it's pretty neat. So he just hits in kind of different areas. He really wants to just display the hope that is in Christ and hit on folks in their areas of expertise and how they demonstrate that. 
All right, and my resource of the week is something that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, actually, uh, whenever they announced it, but the IMB appointment service coming up this Tuesday night. You can still sign up to stream that uh, at your house, at your church, uh, maybe get a small group together if you do small groups on Tuesday nights. It's available to live stream wherever you are on your mobile devices, on your computer, on your Apple TV, wherever you may be, however you can hook up to the Internet. You can stream the IMB appointment service. It's one of the most important things we do as Southern Baptist, that's missions, and uh, we get to see the folks that we will be sending out and commissioning to the nations. So I encourage you to sign up for that. Check that out this Tuesday night, the IMB Appointment Service. You can find out more at imb.org slash live. Yeah, I want to just comment on that, that as we've talked about, and we said this a few weeks ago, the changes in technology, we're always talking about what that should mean for us, how we can do things better. And I think this is the best use of technology for us as a denomination and as a group of churches to come together, because um, this really is our central mission, is to send people out. And so uh, we we highly recommend this. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Amy, you got a big week next week. Executive committee, you're headed in town. I know your boss, Art Rainer, is headed in town. Uh, a lot of people from all the seminaries will be headed this way. So it'll be good to see everybody. It's, it's almost like a mid-year family reunion every February, and, and uh, we get to see everybody and then see them again in June at the SBC annual meeting. Uh, but uh, interesting to see if uh, we have any big news other than the IMB stuff. We know that's coming. David mentioned that. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if we have any other big news and, and major events coming from the executive committee meeting. Yeah, and even uh, e- even the smaller things are really important because, as we know, the SBC only exists for two days out of every year. And those folks on the executive committee work very hard to make sure that uh, everything is going smoothly the other 364 this year, because yep. I think we're in a leap year. Well so, done, well done. Uh, anyway, we appreciate their service. And uh, so even the things that aren't just huge earth-shattering news are still very important. Yeah, and follow us online on Twitter. We'll be live tweeting a lot of the events going on over at the executive committee meetings. I'll be there with Dr. Rayner. Uh, most of the day on Tuesday and uh, also on the Monday and Tuesday night plenary sessions. Uh, we'll be live tweeting the events as they happen. Uh, if anything goes on, you'll hear it first at SBC This Week on Twitter. And that's at SBC This Week. So so check us out on Twitter there. Follow us along there. And we will see you on next week's show as we recap the entire executive committee uh, meeting and let you know what else is happening in the SBC next week. See you next week. <laughs>